0: Inside Chicago government. Any use of power disturbs it. Shigov.com.
1: Welcome to another series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. I'm Dave Gloetz. Ben Jarofsky writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader. He's sitting right here with me. How are you feeling today, Ben? Pretty good. Chipper. Yeah?
0: Yes, very chipper. Good.
1: Today we're talking about your article titled, "Rom's Addition by Subtraction Approach to Jobs, Mm. that appeared in the reader on November 29, 2012. This article starts with a description of how the mayor's office characterizes the number of Chicago jobs that the mayors had a hand in creating, and then you talk of the 34 water call center employees who received termination notices, and we talked about them in a previous Previous, interview. They had not yet been officially terminated. When we discussed these, these 34 people who are being replaced reportedly by a Japanese company, NTT Data, we talked about the fact that Alderman Sawyer was proposing an ordinance such that all privatization deals would require city council approval. Mm-hmm. And we talked of the deal that the Emanuel administration wanted to cut, namely if Sawyer dropped the ordinance, these 34 people would get jobs elsewhere in the city. What happened to that
0: deal? The ordinance was relegated. To Mayor uh, Mayor Mel, <laughs> what a what a Freudian slip that is. Alderman Mel's Rules Committee, which generally means that it's buried, although Alderman Sawyer tells me that he's not going to let it be buried, and he will uh, advance it.
1: So he didn't take the deal. The way I got it, the administration wanted him to withdraw.
0: They wanted him to withdraw, it he didn't. In fact, I believe 32 aldermen uh, signed on as sponsors. That's huge. Yes, it's very big. Of course, it means nothing because it's not an ultimate. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't mean that. If Let it went to a vote. That. it went to a vote, it would win. So the pressure has not been applied. That's a pre-pressure applied sign of support. So that just shows you that there's 18 aldermen who will never, ever sign anything that the mayor uh, is against and that there's 32 who are willing to sign it before he really starts applying the pressure. Then they send it to the rules committee and it's not clear at all whether it will have a hearing unless Alderman Sawyer really presses the issue. And he tells me that he will press the issue. So we shall see probably after the first of the year.
1: It has to clear the committee. And so the people on the committee are the ones who have to pass it first.
0: Yes. The chairman of the committee, uh, in this case, Alderman Mel, has to call for a hearing. So we have some politicking to do in the coming weeks. And now we're heading into you know the holiday season. So I don't know if this will be on the agenda until January. But you know it's some significance. It's not... Not just I've concentrated on the Water Call Center employees because I met them, uh, as did you at that hearing, and um, it really uh, sort of personified the whole issue. But the Sun-Times has been reporting about, I don't know if you saw it today, Sun-Times, about 300 or so union workers at O'Hare who have lost their janitorial jobs because of a contract. So every time Mayor Rahm privatizes a city service or outsources those jobs, relatively well-paying union jobs are lost. And what Sawyer is saying is that uh, we, as a city, should look at the overall consequences to the neighborhoods as uh, when you uh, get rid of good-paying jobs.
1: I was looking at what passes for budget numbers these days <laughs> because the city hasn't officially released the budget ordinance okay. yet. It's still being printed or something. I don't know. But you can see some limited things online. Right. There's a document called the 2013 Budget Overview, which the mayor's office released before the ordinance was passed. And I was looking at the Department of Finance, Revenue, Services, and Operations sections, which I believe was where these 34 employees were working. As a puzzling thing, I don't know if you you know anything about this, but in 2012, it showed that there were 68 employees funded by what's called the Water Fund. So presumably the Water Call Center is included in this. And it had a budget of $7.9 million. Mm In 2013, the proposal is to have 33 instead of 68, so less than half, employees funded by the Water Fund. But the budget goes up $2.5 million for these people to $9.4 million. It's
0: a mind-boggling. I haven't taken a look at those particular numbers. I'm going to probably do more stories on this because I want to take a look at the contract that the city signed. Well, the city claims that they're going to save $100,000 a year by farming out the service. So I'd like to see if that's true. And even if it is true, I think that the larger question, again, is whether that $100,000 is worth the loss of those jobs. You know, it's interesting that I was also reading another article about, what do they call it, the fiscal cliff in Washington and how the combination of cuts and tax Tax increases, there's a fear that will send the economy into a tailspin. Well, it's interesting that on the national level, they view government spending as sort of a stimulus to the economy that's necessary. But on the local level, Mayor Rahm champions any cut as reform that's healthy for the city of Chicago. And I think it's largely because those cuts do not affect the neighborhoods that he's most interested in or he's most concerned about a rebellion. And we talked about this earlier. I think like, um, you know, his base of support uh, is among the more affluent areas of the north side and it just doesn't affect people in those neighborhoods like it does to uh, people on the west sides and the south sides. So um, I think that Mayor Emanuel's been very clear in how he runs this government, uh, where he's most wary of political opposition. And he sort of champions things like cuts that hurt West and South Side communities as reforms, which presumably appeal to North Side residents. When I
1: read in your column that the mayor made a speech at Northwestern University last week, I went and looked around for some reporting on this because I didn't see anything in the daily newspapers And I did find a couple articles in the Northwestern University newspaper, the Daily Northwestern. There was an article, a reportorial article, and there was a column. And I wanted to read to you what the columnist wrote towards the end of his column. This is an undergrad columnist for the Mm -hmm. Daily Northwestern. He wrote of Mayor Emanuel, and he said a few things. One was, uh, I walked away with a satisfying comfort in Rahm Emanuel as the mayor of Chicago. Then he said, Emanuel simply exudes love for Chicago to the point where his wife is probably jealous. (laughs) And then he said it's hard to imagine he has anything but the city's best interests at heart, so I don't want to bash this this His this calmness, yeah. yeah, for me, it begs a question of anyone who is paying attention knows that a person in elected office of any kind of power has some agendas around reelection or influencing other office holders and so accumulating money and then you know making certain compromises." And not to know that, as this person obviously it seems not to, is kind of a critical missing element in our democracy, right? Here's <laughs> someone who's going to Northwestern, you would probably agree is a good school. Yeah. And, you know, probably has a decent education. And you've taught a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So, my question is how do you teach this to kids? What do you call it? Critical thinking? The need to question, you know, where, where does that come I don't in? know. I've
0: not read this. Is it a man or a woman who wrote it? So I want to get the right pronoun. It's a I, guy. Okay. I have not read his column, so I really can't comment on it. Although <laughs> that last line is, I don't know how any journalist could write a line like that with any kind of pride. I really don't know. I mean, you know, now you've made—I was chipper when the interview began, and I am so wholly depressed that Northwestern is turning out people who would write something like that in the face of just the overwhelming opposition.
1: That's why I say I don't want to bash this no, person. No, I don't know this
0: kid. I never—I don't even know—I had to ask you whether it was a man or a woman. I don't know anything about him. I don't know his name. I don't—I've never—so I'm not bashing this kid, although I don't know how any— objective observer of Rahm Emanuel could walk away saying it's just a pure, unadulterated love for the city of Chicago. I don't think Rahm Emanuel even understands the city of Chicago. I think he has a very disdainful attitude toward most of the constituency of Chicago. He certainly has a disdainful attitude toward unions, collective bargaining, city workers.
1: But this, this isn't limited to Rahm Emanuel. This is a phenomenon that we see repeatedly around democracy in the United States. Where do people get critical thinking gene, you know? I
0: don't know where you get the... I mean, it's a sense of skepticism that some people have in greater abundance than others. I think to a certain degree, most people in the world have a degree of skepticism, but they cover up that skepticism in order to get along. This is the phenomenon of the the off-the-record conversation, of which I have dozens uh, every week, uh, where people say, all right, don't quote me, but here's what I really think. And then they start theorizing. And in their theorizing, they expose a skepticism that's every bit as great as the one that I openly profess. What I don't know about this young man is whether he is truly idealistic and was truly wowed by Rahm Emanuel's performance, or whether he was covering up the skepticism that he felt for whatever reasons. So I don't know. But I do believe that most people that I meet have a core skepticism that they express when they feel free to express it. So you can go to any bar or tavern in the city of Chicago, sit down and have a conversation with the person sitting next to you, and you'll get a very jaded, skeptical view of the city of Chicago, the mayor of Chicago, why aldermen do what they do, how our political system is corrupt, rigged, fixed, etc. Then these people go through life. (laughs) They continually vote and promote the very system. In fact, I will now go on another tangent. Yesterday, for the story, I was having a great interview and tour of uh, River North with some residents who live up there are very upset about a project that's coming there. I'll be writing about it next week, so I don't want to give away too much about it. But anyway, admittedly, they both said they voted for Rahm Emanuel. And I was like, why would you vote for this guy? And then they went on to say they voted for Mayor Daley every year, even though they abhorred the parking meter deal.
1: So maybe we should have voting in bars.
0: I think we should only limit voting to you and me. Uh, (laughs) Nobody else gets to vote. I think that people realize that their system is rigged. They realize that the people that they elect are not truly looking out for their best interests, but that they are willing to fool themselves. Or it's more to the point. I think in Chicago, people are so afraid of the unknown that they'll continue to vote for these...
1: Against their interests.
0: Yeah, against their interests. Now, again... As I started off by saying, Mayor Emanuel is very careful to protect the interests of the relatively affluent on the north side. So you could argue, well, the relatively affluent on the north side are voting for their best interests. He's not firing them. It may be even more of a cynical view of government that the people have. But I really find it hard to believe that your average Chicagoan would subscribe to the sentiment expressed by that young journalist that you quoted. <laughs> I I don't even think the happiest of all affluent Northsiders would express something like that if you were sitting with them at a bar and they were opening up their- That the Mayor loves the city more than his wife. Boy, the mayor loves the city more wow. You know, I don't know, man. I get to, if that kid is a graduate of the Medill School of Journalism, I wonder are he's teaching these kids. Good Lord.
1: He needs to listen to us. Yes, I guess. Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, David. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, you can subscribe by going to shygov.com and over on the right side clicking on podcast. And you can find us on iTunes by searching for Ben Jarofsky or for me, Dave Glatz. Thanks for listening.